everyone. Welcome to So You Want to Get Sober. I'm so excited. I have one of my dear friends on the podcast this week, Mia. Um, She came into the rooms around the same time that I did, and we've just really stuck with each other through thick and thin. It's been amazing to honestly just watch each other grow and pick each other up when we needed to uh, another person to help us out. So super excited. Without further ado, here is my dear friend, Mia. Hi guys, I'm Mia. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Mel. This is so exciting. I'm so proud of you. This is, you know, one of the beautiful things of getting sober is seeing people do these courageous things. And, you know, we're using our background and experiences to just help other people. So I'm really proud of you. So thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited to have you. And uh, I think your story is super inspirational because I think your bottom looks different than what people imagine their bottoms to look like. So I'd love if you could just share a little bit about your your resume on your drinking in your past and just kind of lead us up to how you got in the rooms. Yeah. So I can talk about when I first started drinking, first started drinking when I was in high school. Um, it was always drinking to get drunk. It was never drinking to just get tipsy and have a little fun. It was no, it was off to the races, chugging vodka, going to parties with friends. Um, yeah, so it was, it was always just drinking to, to get drunk. And so it was never in a responsible way. And, you know, I really never truly learned (laughs) that there was another way to drink. That was just the only way I knew how. So that was pretty much how high school went. I would go to parties, get wasted, make a fool of myself, get talked to by ex-boyfriends, friends, you know, they would tell me, you know, what embarrassing things I did. And that's still really wasn't enough for me. It was, you know, I was, you know, in the beginning of my drinking, it was, you know, the drink was took over pretty early in life. And that was more important than what other people thought of me. Um, so high school, yeah, that's really where my bad habits of drinking and where relationships really started to suffer. Um, but you know, my relationship with alcohol was more important at the time. And I was still figuring myself out and, didn't think it was a problem at all. You know, you're, you're experimenting with drinking and, you know, just thought, Oh, it'd work itself out. Um, you know, I had, there's alcoholism in my family and, and know that it's a a risk and that it's definitely affected me personally, the alcoholism in my family. But I always, you know, told myself like, I'll eventually stop. I'll eventually stop. Um, but just really didn't understand how I would get there. Uh, I just thought it would work itself out. Um, so then after high school, went to college and went to a party school and all of my friends were heavy binge drinkers. And I think that's one of the biggest things is when you're drinking heavily, you only want to surround yourself with other people who are drinking heavily. Um, so you really don't see that it's an issue because you are surrounded by people who also don't think it's an issue. So in college, you know, I was, I wasn't drinking during the week at all, you know, just had work, was studying, um, you know, could control my drinking during the week. I wouldn't drink at all. But then as soon as I would drink on the weekends, it was drinking to blackout, blackout drinker, um, so that's pretty much how it went. I never really, like I knew I kind of had a problem, <laughs> um, but it wasn't glaring enough for me to stop. I hadn't, I hadn't made enough mistakes, 
even though I was arrested for drinking. I had a drunken public Halloween and, um, you know, it's, it's things like that. I was kicked like the dorms, they found alcohol in the dorms and we had to go to alcohol classes, but that still wasn't enough. It just, I still hadn't finished kind of punishing myself yet. It's just still like, I hadn't, I hadn't reached and like, okay, that's it moment. Um, so then after college, you know, my life didn't really look the way I wanted it to. And I, and I definitely started to feel like I was drinking to kind of, I thought drinking was going to make my life better. That like, if I was bored or if I was like stressed out about something, like my first thought was like, oh, like I'm just going to go home and drink wine. And like, maybe I'll find the answers at the bottom of the bottle. Like I would hear that in songs. And that was definitely something that I would like think myself. I would always just be like, yeah, no, like if things, if I felt uncomfortable, like I would definitely go home and drink and think that the solution was to drink. And I would drink myself into being super fit or drink myself to having the best friends or, um, yeah, I always thought that the answer wasn't drinking. Cause that was the only thing I relied on. So by doing that all high school, all college and after college, realizing I wasn't really I wanted to be, I thought it was my surroundings. So I did a thing, what a lot of people call it's the geographical move. Um, and so I picked up, I moved across the country thinking that, nope, it's, it's not me. It's not my drinking. It's not the way I've not been doing anything to help my life of, you know, just drinking to make my life better. Um, so I picked up, moved across the country same drinking ways would binge drink. Um, and I got really extremely depressed. I started getting anxiety. I went to the hospital because I had my first uh, panic attack and I didn't know what it was. And so it just was starting to just look really ugly. It wasn't you know, just on the outside, I didn't really like how my life was looking. It was really starting to turn internally where I would just be very depressed, very anxious, um, just really did not like myself. And, you know, the, the girl I lived with, we also, we were big partiers together. So we would get hammered the next day I'd wake up and I just feel so awful. I would have such a negative self-talk and she would wake up and feel fine. And I think that started to differentiate like, me having this like push and pull of like, I don't want to be living this way. That's like really when I started to start to hate myself. Um, then I moved again because lo and behold, I wasn't doing very much to help help my life. I was just drinking, partying, and then waking up, being hungover, recovering, forgetting about that hangover. And then drinking again. So it was just like a terrible, terrible cycle that I was getting into. And, um, so I moved again, I moved back, back home and, um, to a big city. And that's really where my drinking went from just the weekend binges to I'm drinking every single day. I started, um, in tech sales. And so that environment also really fosters a lot of drinking, um, right after work during work, 
Um, and then the drinking turned to doing like drugs. Like there'd be, you know, a Monday night where it'd start out with just one or two beers. And then we'd be out till four in the morning doing cocaine on a Monday night. Um, so I think really when I moved to the city, that's when it really took off. And it was, I just kept surrounding myself with those people who were also doing what I was doing. And, um, I, that is really what was the start of my bottom. So then my drinking really took off when I uh, met, met a guy in the city and our main hobby together was drinking. Um, so he'd meet me, we were actually working together. And so we'd leave work, go drink, drink a lot. And that was just like our routine. So it was, you know, not just something I like to do. It was just something we were both doing together. And he was, you know, really an enabler of heavy drinking. Um, and just that relationship was so toxic and I was so blind to it because the amount of drinking we would do, there was lies that he was telling me and I'd find out about it, but you know, he'd invite me out to drinks and then we'd drink and discuss it. And then I drink a lot and then forgive him. So there was a lot that I just kind of let slide because of our drinking behaviors together and just my need for alcohol at, at that time too. So I think it was, it was allowing myself to not have self-worth. Like it was really... like it was so numbing that it just the terrible things that he was doing to me, it didn't matter because I was numbing myself and I didn't realize what was happening. Everybody around me. And this is when things started. I started to get really isolated because in this relationship, I was letting really bad things happen to me. And people around me saw that these things were happening. You know, he was lying to me. He would like harass me when we'd break up back and forth. There's so many breakups back and forth that he would, you know, he'd stalk me, like be outside of my work. When I blatantly told him not to ever see me again, he would be standing outside my work and say, let's go drink. And just like immediately, like the drink just like gave me zero willpower. So I think it allowed me to stay in that toxic relationship for years. And um, so then what really, really was the straw that broke the camel's back in my drinking was when it finally started really affecting my job. I joined this more prestigious, uh, company where I had taken my drink, my tech sales, drinking culture of getting hammered with coworkers and brought that to this new company that I was working at. We had a a weekend away with interns. Um, and I decided to get wasted with the interns and really thinking nothing of it. You know, that was how I was partying before. And that was the behavior that I thought was okay, because that's how far down my drinking had taken me. It had really just taken me out of realizing how to act in society. Honestly, <laughs> um, it was just that powerful. Um, 
So eventually I was fired from that job directly related to my drinking because it was it was just embarrassing the things I had done that weekend of like hitting on the interns, um, just like falling on the ground, um, just doing really, really embarrassing things that, you know, I mean, I, I don't blame them for firing me. And it, it was one of the best things that could have happened to me because as soon as my manager brought me in the room to talk about it, she's like, do we need to get you help? And that was, you know, one of one of the that was maybe the second time somebody had said that to me of like, do you need to get help for your drinking? And so, you know, it's a very, very painful situation of being fired from a job pretty public publicly. Um, but it was, you know, it was kind of the wake-up call I needed um to then progress to move into the program. But, you know, it, it really took another month. I was fired from the job. And then I, I literally went and had a beer like that night that I was let go. And I was like, it's not my drinking. I remember sitting with the beer and just being like, I'm fine. Like the drinking, like I can control it. I can control it. And so this is the first time where I ever really tried to like minimize my drinking. And it was really painful and really sad and just a really... And it was only for a month of me just trying to reduce my drinking and because I had never lived that way. But I just thought with getting fired for drinking, all I had to do was reduce it. But even in those couple weeks, I just like knew there was something wrong. Like my anxiety was really ticking up. And that was only me just like reducing my drinking. But even just doing that without like a solution, it wasn't, it wasn't the alcohol that was like real like my really deep-rooted issue. There were so many other things going on that I needed to focus, but to focus on and work on. But I was using the alcohol to numb myself so that I didn't have to go and work on those things. I thought drinking was going to solve those issues for me. Um, so about a month of that happening, you know, it was it was about a year of me waking up and saying like, I hate myself. I hate myself. And so just that self-hate for so long, I had a, a birthday weekend after that month of trying to control my, my drinking. The last, the last weekend of that month, I just binge drank. And I, that's when I realized like, I have no control over this. Um, there is, you know, many times where I'd go and meet that ex-boyfriend and sit and meet up with him and be like, I don't want to drink right now, but I feel like I have to. And so that's like one of the first things that we learn is just like, can you pinpoint times where you didn't want to drink, but you had no control. And within like four seconds, I could remember like 30 times that that had happened to me. So I think, yeah, just when it, just really thinking back to like, you had no control over your life because of a substance. It's just really scary and really sad. Like, it's just really sad. Like I just really got tired of telling, telling myself, like, I hate myself. I hate myself. And just 
woke up the morning that I went to my, my first AA meeting, I woke up after that bad binging weekend and woke up and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I went to my computer and I like looked up online, like, like rehab centers or like how to stop drinking. And I called this hotline. I called this guy and I was just like, I just like, can't stop drinking. Like, I don't know what to do. And I'd never done this before. I had never like researched like how to stop drinking. Like I hadn't ever like tried to reduce my drinking before. It was just, it had gotten so bad that I knew I needed help. And that I knew I couldn't do it by myself just because based on that month of like trying to reduce my drinking. Um, so yeah, I called the hotline and he was trying to get me committed to go to this rehab in like Massachusetts or something. And I was just like, I can't do that. That's not, (laughs) that's not what I want to do. Um, so then I just like hung up the phone and then I had actually met. So this is like the first girl I had ever met who was sober and young And so I called my best friend. So this was a mutual friend. So I called my best friend whose friend it was. And so I was like, give me her number. Like, I want to call her. Like, I don't know what to do. Because I had known that she had been to AA. I knew that she was in AA. And so I just called the one young girl. And that's really what changed my life and like set me onto this path. Amazing. Yeah, I know. Sometimes... I think back about all the awful and embarrassing experiences. Um, and in the moment I can like vividly remember that feeling of like hot shame, just running over my body. Like how has it gotten this bad? But looking back, like if all of these sequence of events hadn't happened, like I wouldn't have gotten sober. I always try to, ch- I always try to like change the past. Or I always, yeah, just try to think like, oh, well, maybe if I wouldn't have had like four drinks, I would have had like one drink. Or yeah, I find myself trying to like think of ways to like change the past and I wouldn't have embarrassed myself. But no, it's just all those things had to happen for me to get here. And I am so happy that I'm actually in this place of sobriety instead of trying to figure out my drinking, try to control my drinking. It's like, that's exactly. Yeah. And you, you touched on a little bit how you had all these, these things that you wanted to focus on to fix yourself. How in sobriety have you been able to, um, uncover that baggage and like, what has it looked like? What have you been able to fix within yourself? Yeah, I think that's something that is brought up a lot, especially with you. It's this whole self-love thing. Like I've never actually liked myself before. Um, And it's because I've never taken the time to learn about myself, learn what I like, learn what I'm good at, learn what kind of people I want to be around. And I think having the headspace of not being hungover or like hating myself or worrying about what did I say when I was wasted? I think really having this kind of peace and calm and kind of headspace to even sit and think about what would make me happiest in life and like what I want to sit and focus on. Like, do I want to 
play music? Do I want to like open a yoga studio? Do I want to write a novel? So I think it's, I hope I'm answering this. right. You are. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's honestly, I look at my life and I get just as excited about learning about myself too. For me, it feels like the opportunities are endless for what we get to do and what we get to learn. Um, And I too would wake up every morning, super hungover, like fat and puffy. And towards the end, I was like losing my hair because I wasn't getting enough nutrients. Like I just would wake up, look at myself in the mirror and start crying, being like, I fucking hate myself. Um, And then to go from that to be like, oh my God, I'm so excited to learn more about Mel. Like who is Mel? I haven't really hung out with her since she was 12 years old. Like that's a really long time to not know the person who's in your own body. Yeah, that's funny that you bring that up because it's like, I feel like I'm going back to my young self because I've been in this drinking for 10 years, this this method of drinking. And so being sober for the past year is, it's funny. I feel like I am like coming back to my like childlike self and it's so great. <laughs> it's wonderful. I know. Yeah. I get excited about the weirdest shit now, like going to Home Depot, going for a walk, like such random stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I'm really excited about plants right now, like Mm -hmm. propagating, like I'm propagating this plant right now. And it's just so exciting. Yeah. So it's just like the small things in life, I think is just so amazing that I'm able to like have an open mind and like, be able to just sit and like enjoy like beautiful uh, bay windows that look out into this tree in the front of my house. And it's just, just like the little things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And not hate yourself. Like that's the big thing. You know, we get to do all this cool stuff and like be happy in our bodies. I don't think, I, I mean, we've been friends for a year and I've heard your story in bits and pieces, but I haven't heard, I haven't heard your full story. I honestly haven't shared my full story at any... Yeah, I guess I really like haven't shared the full story because I think there, there's just like so many layers to how much self-harm I had been doing that some... I think it's just embarrassing for me or I don't know if that's the right word or it's just like there's so much to it. Yeah. No, I, to- I totally get that. Or it's like, you don't know what to unpack because there's so much. Yeah. And for me, I feel like I've only been able to unpack a little bit at a time. So when I share, it's like, I'm only going to share on the pieces that make sense for right now, for what I'm unpacking right now. Um, no, that's exactly it. Because it's like, there's so much that I'm learning being sober about myself that I feel like I had to do that kind of first. And now that I'm like kind of coming up on my year, even doing this, like it's having me also really reflect on like the drinking days and just like how much pain I was in because it makes today seem like so beautiful and so amazing. And because of like reflecting on like how much pain I was in and it's just like, I guess I wasn't really realizing how much pain I was in because now I'm able to see how happy my life can be compared to how I, how it used to be. Cause it, it was just so painful and hard. 
and sad. Yeah. You have me like in tears. I, <laughs> I understand the feeling and um, I understand just like, you know, like I just mentioned, like the more you unpack, it's like, holy shit. Like, how could I live? How could I live like that for so long without understanding how much suffering and pain I was in? And then you look yeah. at now and it's like, oh my God, now we're excited about Home Depot. <laughs> like genuinely excited about Home Depot, the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And I think that just like goes to show like that's what like addiction and alcoholism, it does, it just numbs you. So you actually like just don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to ask you a couple more questions. One of which being, we talked about self-love um, and I know you've expanded a lot in this last year. And I just want to know what are the ways you've gotten to know Mia and what does she look like now? Like how have you gotten to being in your authentic self? Yeah, I think a lot of the work that I've been doing with the steps has really uncovered a lot about myself that I didn't even know existed. One of which is that I don't like to speak my truth. I'm afraid of speaking up. And that really manifested itself when I was drinking. I would be really angry and irritated about a situation, would drink to minimize those feelings. And then when I get wasted, I would erupt. I would erupt on everybody around me. And so I think doing the step work of realizing that that is one of my biggest things I need to work on and continuously think about is yeah, just speaking my truth, speaking up when things don't feel right to me. You know, I stayed in a really terrible relationship because I was afraid to speak up. Yeah. I think just being able to speak my truth and speak honestly and be honest is something that I need to do to be happy. And by being honest and having the platform of AA, of having to do it all the time of, you know, my sponsor asking me every week, like, how many meetings have you been to? Like having to do all my assignments. It's just like keeping me honest. So, cause that is a very important virtue and moral. I don't know if those are the right words, but those, those are just very important things to me that, that. I need to have. And so for me to just be practicing it every day, that gives me self-love. So I think it's really identifying things that I appreciate in life and, um, you know, open communication, showing up, being present, um, you know, all these things that I really admire and other people and need from other people, I need it for myself as well. And so having to identify that those are things that I didn't do well in the past. And that is probably why it, it, what led to me having self-hate is really something that I have to work on on a daily basis. But I'm so, I'm like, so happy that I figured out what things I need to work on in order to make me my best self. Exactly. No, I totally agree. I think one of the steps is you, you know, put out, you figure out what your character defects are and being able to label what I don't want has been really good for me to show up how I do want to show up and harboring what I value inside myself, um, is an incredible thing that's happened in just one year. Like, dude, can you, it's, we've only been doing this for one year and we're able to completely shift those character defects into something absolutely beautiful inside ourselves. Okay. On to my next question, my dear. Um, 
what are your thoughts on dating in the first year of sobriety? And do you have any tips for people who want to date? This is an amazing question because at month four of sobriety, I met the love of my life. No, I just met, I met a guy that just like really stopped my world. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, immediate attraction. I need this guy in my life. He's confident and smart and just super silly. And just at that time of month four of sobriety, that is exactly the kind of energy I wanted to be around. And, you know, being newly sober, I, I wasn't telling a lot of people. I was, you know, told like my close friends and like a couple people, you know, it was really an, it was a, a thing that I was doing for myself. Getting sober was something I was doing for me. And so I didn't feel like I needed to like broadcast it to everyone. So I was being pretty selective with who I was telling. And so when I met this guy, the first conversation we had, I just felt so comfortable with him. And I, I actually told him that I was sober. And so finding somebody that was supportive of the decision that I was making to be sober, that is, was huge of really having someone who admires what you're doing because if you're, you know, surrounding yourself with someone who's still doing the bad habits that you're trying to get away from that. I I don't know that, that is just, you know, I found the opposite. I found somebody who didn't, who he didn't really drink at all and was really supportive of what I was trying to accomplish. So. I think what I had to do was this is this is another beautiful thing about being sober and having the program you have all these tools to really think through your decisions and so I never thought more about this decision to date him um because it's such a tricky thing because you're getting sober and doing all these self-discovery things that dating is such a distraction that you have to be really careful with who you date and how you do it. And because one addiction can lead to another addiction. So it's just, you need to be super cognizant that that very well could happen. So I think what I did was, you know, knowing all this information and knowing I had a very supportive uh, sponsor and she, she's, uh, yeah, she's, she's just very like the best thing for me. She's, I knew she, you know, she just wants the best for me. So I knew I had to, I had to kind of go to her to get her approval essentially. And so you know, I made pros and cons lists. I talked with him thoroughly about it. I talked to friends about it um, in the program. I, you know, so it was just something that I thought out very detailed and was really happy that I did that. Um, so then when I went to my sponsor, you know, with all my like, this is, you know, this is why he's so great. He's really supportive of me. Like, I'm still going to go to all my meetings. Like I'm still going to meet with you. It's not going to interfere with my program at all. Um, so she gave me the approval. We started dating. Um, you know, he was a really good place in my sobriety when he was, because a lot, 
what I admired about him is just like his like love for life and trying new things. And that is really what I had been missing. And he just kind of opened my eyes to like what hobbies are. (laughs) And like, if you want to do something in life, just do it. So I was really happy that, you know, I made the decision to date him when I did. Um, and then, yeah, just being like really open about communication. And so this was also, so like I was mentioning, communication is one of my biggest things is just like, I would, did not ever speak up in my my prior relationship about when things didn't feel right. And so being in the program and dating at the same time, it allowed me to have like the most communication. We talked about everything. So um, thankfully he enjoyed talking as well. So I think that's just, you know, on the other end, it's just you're you're learning all these tools of how to have a relationship, which I never knew how to do before. Relationships are hard. They take work. And I didn't really know that, or I didn't even know what that entailed. So I think if you're thinking about dating in your first year, know that there has to be a lot of thought behind it and that, you know, keep your support system if it doesn't work out, because that is a really big thing of why people go out is because those relationships and early sobriety, they don't work out and you're, you're not at a place emotionally, like emotionally yet to be strong enough. So a lot of people go out. So thankfully me and him, we broke up after four months. And so right when we broke up, I called my sponsor. I texted Mel and our other good friend Mel sent me ice cream. Um, and so I think what was you know really important is that I went into it. Why am I getting into this? If it doesn't work, just walk away and keep my good network of people that I can rely on. And you did all of that. It's pretty incredible. It's really easy, even if you're not in sobriety, you know, normies, like it's really hard to not get lost in a relationship and get off track for your goals, especially when it comes to self-development. So I think it's really incredible. You know, every time I called you to check up on it. You're like, I'm doing pretty good. You know, going to meetings, like you were on it. You, you honored yourself, which I think is really necessary, especially in that first year. Um, and you know, like you made a decision, stuck with it and it worked out fine. You know, like you're here, you're still sober. Um, but I really do think it's important how you touched on that piece about like, this is serious. Like your first year is serious. Like you have to put yourself first. And, um, I don't know, I think you just did everything right. So, um, Gold stars. <laughs> uh, okay, last question, then I'll let you go. How have your ideas of what's important in your life changed? I think they've more of just like amplified because I think, you know, my family is very important. My health is very important. And I think, you know, those are always things that were very important to me, but now it's just even more important to me because I think having put myself in situations where I was putting my relationships with my family in jeopardy, I was putting my health in jeopardy, you know, and those are my like two most important things in my life that, you know, 
making this decision, you know, I made this decision to eventually be a mom one day and not be in a drunk fog. You know, I did this to become a better family member. I did this to improve my health, my mental health, um, just to be a better part of society. And I think that's another piece that I was also close-minded to is that I wasn't contributing to society. And now I am with being in the program. I never knew that that was a piece to not only like inner happiness, but also to just really making the world a better place. Like that was never really on my mind. It was, I was just very selfish in the way I thought. And now I get to use my past experiences to help other people and just be somebody that other people can lean on and I can be present and I can be a good friend. I can be a good sister, um, good, good worker. So I think just, I'd always known what was important, but it's just like amplified and just, yeah, millions of other things have come up. Um, Amazing. Well, honestly, I mean, you came to mind for this podcast because I want people to know that they can do this for themselves and that they can come in whenever. And I feel like people think that AA is such a scary thing. And I think I asked you like, did you try to control your drinking outside of AA? And you were like, no, I just came in. Um, because you hit that breaking point inside, like you hated yourself, which is, you know, I hated myself. I was at the same breaking point. And like, it's not always visible on the outside for people, you know? Um, but it is on the inside and like, all those feelings are so valid. Like you can come into AA without, um, you know, yeah, I just, I'm really amazed by you and I'm so blessed to know you. And I'm, I remember the first day I met you and I was like, Oh my God, how do I make friends? Oh my God, there's a young girl. Like I should go talk to her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Same. And I think that's, you know, what's really important is that we're finding other young girls in the program who, you know, we all have similar stories and that's what brought me in and that's what keeps me here. Um, And I think it's, it's really great that we found each other. And so, yeah, yeah. True friendships. Yeah. I didn't ever think that I would make real honest relationships because I didn't know how to A, keep them, B, really make them because I wasn't me. Um, and now I get to sit with this person who I met a year ago from totally different spots in our lives. And it's like, ah, oh, I have so much love for you. So I'll stop being sappy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of So You Want to Get Sober. And thank you, Mia. Thank you.